So hi, everybody, and welcome to this new podcast, which is going to look at international trade advice for entrepreneurs. And with me in this podcast is Anthony Campus, who works as the manager of international trade at the University of Mississippi and works specifically with small and medium enterprises through the Mississippi Small Business Development Center and the network attached to that to enhance SMEs and their exporting success. And in this role, he provides counseling and training to entrepreneurs and small to medium-sized businesses. In addition, he develops and delivers training on a variety of trade issues. And indeed, Anthony has worked as an adjunct instructor on global trade in the School of Business at the University of Mississippi as well. Anthony is multilingual, has nearly 35 years of experience in customs and international trade and compliance in both the public and private sectors. And also impressively, if I might say, Anthony is a former U.S. customs official who was part of the team implementing NAFTA. So uh, Mississippi, you're pretty lucky to have you, Tony. So And so am I. So thanks for joining. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Matt. And I'm very honored to be on this podcast with you. And thank you very much for the invitation. Oh, you're very welcome. So maybe I can ask my first question then, which is, well, what is the current state of international trade flows, do you feel? And what do you see as some of the opportunities for SMEs? Because we're all, you know, been living in a pandemic world where we see lots of threats. It'd be nice to maybe shift the coin to be a, on the opportunity side. Sure, thank you. Great question. And, and I think I may answer differently than a lot of people do traditionally. And I'll explain some reasons why. So when we focus primarily uh, for, for this uh, podcast, we're mainly focusing on entrepreneurs and SMEs, small, medium enterprises. One thing that I always like to keep in mind is when we talk about how global trade is acting in a particular point in time, a lot of times we use trade statistics. Uh, one challenge that we have to answer your question, but also taking into account not just big companies that are dealing uh, in sizable, let's say, shipments of goods. One of the uh, interesting things to look at is when it comes to entrepreneurs and SMEs, that are trading internationally is number one is that data being captured uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one being, I think it's helpful to understand how trade flows are measured. And a, a lot of the entrepreneurs and SMEs may be using types of shipping that let's say e-commerce or maybe even one shipment at a time, one small package that may not always get gathered up into trade statistics because they, uh, the processes and that that's something where I put my customs hat on and understand um, that the way that trade measured me is measured comes actually from what is filed with customs authorities generally. And so uh, part of the trade facilitation trends in recent years that have made it easier for small, medium uh, enterprises as well as entrepreneurs to do business expedites trade, but it doesn't gather the level of specificity on those transactions. And mm -hmm. so that's one thing to answer your question, which I will. But I always like to set a context that I don't think a lot of people um, always understand or take into account. And then the other side of that is, are we measuring, so just to recap real quick, are we measuring properly how SMEs and entrepreneurs are trading goods, mm -hmm. the emphasis on the word goods. And then the other uh, thing I would want to bring up is services. So um, still I find even in the year 2022, make sure I get the year right, um, that a lot of people, even professionals, economic development, people uh, 
professors on campuses don't always understand that services are traded globally as well. So mm. it's a pretty long-winded answer, but I hope I made sense. And so you're asking, what is the state, uh, in my opinion, of, of global trade flows, right? Um, currently with SMEs, I, I would say it's it's pretty re robust with a lot of challenges would be my mm. answer. And uh, part of that we can see through trade statistics, which show um, once, once again, um, that I think the end of 2021 was one of the best years of overall global trade, but did it capture all the data on all the SMEs? So we, I think we have an incomplete picture. But through anecdotal experience myself, working with a lot of SMEs and, and knowing people around the world, I think it's actually strong and robust. Mm -hmm. Great. Now that's good to know. I mean, it's it's interesting because of, on the one hand, uh, I mean, being in the UK, for instance, it's it's been an interesting story for international trade over the last few years with Brexit leaving the European Union and things. And even you know what we see recently in terms of economic activities, certainly suggesting that we are down on our international trading compared to you know, pre-pandemic and certainly pre-Brexit. So yeah, it, it's interesting to see what you were saying about you know, the measuring and how you capture things, but especially services. Um, yeah. The UK in particular being quite service-oriented in, in many of its exports, especially out of London, for instance. With those things in mind, then, do you see now as a good time for SMEs to, to look abroad? I, I do, actually. And, and one kind of, uh, if you want to say, uh, buzzword or some kind of, uh, I guess, term that I've created is the changing nature of trade. And that's a way to kind of capture this time and place where we are right now with international trade. So I think it's a, it's a great time, actually. But we just have to understand that international trade is changing. How international trade is conducted is changing and cargo containers full of products is international trade but so is the international professional who maybe had a, a contract to translate a technical document into another language and was paid from someone in another country and never left their home or the you know their their living room and did all the work from there that's exporting an international trade as well so uh, I think it's a great time, partly because of technology, but also, as I've heard in some of the podcasts that you've uh, done in the past, you were talking about global value chains, and, mm. and I would say that SMEs already play a key role in global value chains, but, but have a lot of opportunities, even if it's just a little piece of that pie, so to speak, there, yeah. there's a lot of opportunities for SMEs um, mm. in global value chains. Absolutely. No, I, I agree with you. Is how SMEs can work within global value chains, contribute to that means there are quite a lot of opportunities to internationalize, but not just on the business to the consumer front, but also the business to business front and the supply markets around that. So I great to know that, you know, from the professional perspective, it's good to see that there's certainly encouraging for, for entrepreneurs to think about internationalizing. Then with that in mind, in terms of my second question, you know, we do see a lot in the media about the retreats of globalization. And is this something that you're witnessing on the ground? And what do you see as some of the critical issues for SMEs to navigate if they were thinking of going um, internationally? That's a great question. And once again, uh, my perspective, will look at it kind of taking into account the, the context for SMEs and entrepreneurs. So has there been a retreat in globalization? Uh, 
there has been, but once again, are we talking about kind of the macro and uh, the geopolitical situations would definitely have impacted trade. And so much more so I would say on um, when, when we're talking about kind of the larger companies that are involved in international trade on, on a small scale, yes, geopolitical changes and uh, a lot of stuff that's going on in the world right now, wars and supply chain disruptions, et cetera, uh, definitely have a, affected uh, SMEs and entrepreneurs. But but I think that the impact, a lot of this trade of SMEs and entrepreneurs is, is driven by relationships that yeah. can survive and overcome a globalization, if that makes sense. Not only, or the retreat of globalization, I would say. So I, I would think, depending on how we define globalization, perhaps there's actually been the strengthening of globalization mm -hmm. in many uh, ways when we're talking about SMEs and entrepreneurs, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I think your point there about relations is something I keep coming back to. I've done a few talks um, over the last year, one of them being to a think tank in Paris, and their focus is on encouraging French businesses to, to export. And one of the things that struck me in my conversation with them was just helping them to realize the relational aspects of international trade and also global supply chains. You know, you, your ability to rely on your partners and your suppliers will really depend on how good and effective how you've managed your historical relationship with them. And it's very difficult to just, you know, pick that up on a whim if it's been badly handled. So I, th I think that that longer term perspective on relationships is, is so critical in this case. Yeah, if I could just add real quick what, what I've seen, of course, uh, just to further your, your point there that relationships are key. I mean, it's a given to be able to engage in, let's say, exporting a good or a service that you have a good or excellent product or service, but if you don't have anyone that wants to do business with you, mm. uh, usually you'll find in, in my experience that the excellent product or service doesn't sell itself on its own. And, and sometimes even, I hate to say it, or maybe not, that even a mediocre or just a good solid product might do very well because someone on the other end, in, in, let's say in, in the other country, wants to do business with that SME or that entrepreneur and makes it happen. Uh, mm. and, and so, and a lot of times SMEs and entrepreneurs don't have the capability of ramping up production to meet mass markets anyway. So it could be a very niche slice of the market. A lot of mm -hmm. times even driven by, let's say diasporas and uh, family uh, ties between people, families and friendships. And yeah. even on a small scale, SMEs can get into that market through those family and friend, friendly ties. Yeah, that's interesting, you know, being able to, again, leverage connections. I mean, some of them, just uh, some research I did before, one of the things we found really helpful for SMEs that were in, uh, well, th these were Greek SMEs and they were uh, during the Greek financial crisis. And a lot of the um, small businesses internationalized by making good use of commercial diplomats you know, and yeah. people who are based in other countries and then can, you know, facilitate introductions, facilitate relationship building and access as well. So it, it certainly ties together that point you were making about, you know, excellent product is one thing, but you've got to have relationships or build relationships so that people actually want to work with you and do business with you in that sense. 
and to be sustainable. You get a lot of one-off export, quote unquote, success stories that I've seen over the years in my world. And hmm. but they, they, for some reason, they're not sustainable. And I say for some reason in quotation marks because a lot of what I see, and, and people are scratching their heads saying, "Well, what happened? We weren't able to sustain this." But I think it's an underappreciation of the importance, especially for SMEs and entrepreneurs, of having excellent relationships. So yeah. without that, I, I think that long-term stable uh, international trade is not really uh, a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a great time to segue to my next question, which is what kind of practical advice would you offer to SMEs and entrepreneurs who are in, either involved in or aspiring for international trade? Well, first is to understand, because I think it's really helpful, what is international trade going back to that kind of phrase I've coined, you know, the changing nature of international trade. So what is international trade? By understanding that, that you may already be engaging international trade mm -hmm. or wanting to engage in international trade and didn't even know that you're providing that translation service to a foreign uh, customer was exporting. So first, knowing what is international trade in this changing definition, how goods and services and data and technology are traded. It's technology can erase borders, but on the other hand, I, I would say it doesn't, in spite of what a lot of people who have kind of uh, been raised with technology may not realize that borders still exist. And mm. to segue into another part of my answer that there's a lot of controls over uh, international trade, even those things that seem invisible such as doing uh, business digitally or yeah. information uh, through the internet. So understanding that there's a regulatory environment as well that may limit, even though technology allows for things. And, and as I said, there's a whole generation of people that were are digital natives and they oftentimes have to bump up against that reality. And I've seen it happen mm -hmm. where some of the things that technologically they can do, they can't do because of, trade restrictions. For mm. example, the United States and I know the UK as well, we have a lot of yeah, sure. controls over technologies, encryption, and things that uh, you could just buy and sell easily, right? Uh, through digital means, but can you do it? So uh, It makes reality, me think of just intermediaries, like eBay, Amazon Marketplace, where you know people can set up businesses so easily these days and really engage in international trade quite quickly. And then you run into customs, <laughs> for instance. So. Yeah, and if you don't mind, because of my own background, I'll bring up, and third, I'll just add one other uh, thing to my first answer is that, and you kind of alluded to it, how the, the how countries have representatives in other countries to help facilitate trade, but there's a broader ecosystem for, let's call it international trade assistance for SMEs and uh Entrepreneurs in the United States, for example, we have the Small Business Development Center networks, which are really in every state, and we work very closely with our federal partners, which would engage in that commercial diplomacy that you're talking about. Usually, they have offices and embassies. I know the UK has a very similar uh, type of trade promotion arm as well, and then also in, in the United States, the states. And so that really, I and I've worked around the world in this. You'll see that. Have a multi pronged approach to trade assistance, but mm -hmm. really for SMEs and entrepreneurs to be successful, they need ongoing assistance in a wide variety of areas, including the compliance part that I mentioned, as well as the commercial side. How do you get ready to export a good or a service, and how do you deliver it to where it needs to go, and how do you get paid? 
etc. And all the time, the cross-cutting issues such as regulatory environments, transportation, etc. So, so I think that the key is having ongoing assistance, and then ongoing assistance can help with understanding regulations which change. Uh, one thing uh, you had mentioned when you introduced me that I worked with U.S. Customs uh, in the past. I've also probably worked, I think, in around 20 countries or so on short-term customs and trade assignments uh, in Asia, Africa, Latin America. And, and so one thing for people to keep in mind is that right now e-commerce and small shipments are on the radar for increased enforcement. So like mm -hmm. in the United States, it's been easy for entrepreneurs from around the world to get products to the United States. But not only are they subject to US customs and border protection, for things like tariffs and admissibility, they're also subject to what we call in the United States partner government agencies or uh, other government agencies such as Food mm. and Drug Administration. So you make a hand yes. cream and you want to sell it into the EU, even though it's one package of small shipment, it still might be regulated similarly to how cargo containers regulated. And so mm. there's a disconnect. And, and I'll be real quick and finish here, but so once again, the, I guess the train left the station and, and all this international trade has started to happen organically because of technology and e-commerce. And so the regulatory environment hasn't kept up with some of the challenges. Putting on my, my former customs mm -hmm. hat, you can see you know, public health and safety, not only raising tariffs is one of the jobs. So are those products coming into the country in one small little package, are they properly regulated? Yep. And does it matter? Yes, it does. So mm. how to facilitate and control trade simultaneously is important. Mm. No, absolutely. I think it, as you're saying, it's ongoing assistance and it's for entrepreneurs not to, and SMEs to just not be afraid of engaging in those services because they're there to facilitate international trade. So what can look daunting is, you know, you do not need an in-house capability per se, because you can co-opt that by working with partners, by working with agencies or such as yourself, for instance. So absolutely a great point there about that landscape is constantly evolving, as you're saying. So it's SMEs who have fewer resources who are likely to be tripped up um, in that sense. But uh, equally, at the same time, it's no reason to be afraid <laughs> either, is I think the whole point. Not to be afraid, yeah. Yeah. Great yeah. opportunities and, and plenty of resources. I know uh, in the United Kingdom, after Brexit, there were a lot of uh, efforts to help SMEs and entrepreneurs understand how to take advantage of those opportunities. So reach out to all the resources, wherever you are in the world, you'll find resources. Absolutely. Well, I think with final thoughts in mind then, so it, it, let's say I'm running my own small business and I'm thinking of trading internationally. Where, where, where would you say I should begin? What do you think are the first couple of steps that uh, would be good for me to do? Well, one, one thing I like to say is you have to have an quote-unquote exportable good service technology, et cetera. So with that expansive definition of what is international trade and when I when I say exportable, I put that in quotation marks because that means legally, uh, logistically, from a, an economic standpoint, et cetera. Uh, so do you have a exportable good service technology, et cetera? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, quote unquote, exportable at this point, then what can you do? And that's sometimes people refer to conducting export readiness assessments. Okay. The way I do it is kind of quick. I don't believe you have to do 20 questions and you know, 20 canned questions and answers, but you could be born global 
really even a startup or a small company these days because of technology. And, and I'm sure you've read the, the literature in the past. You had to be quote unquote successful in your domestic market yeah. before you can look internationally these days from day one, obviously, or even before uh, you can look at doing business internationally and probably mm -hmm. will, if you're on the internet, people will probably start contacting you. So making sure you have that exportable good service technology, understanding what that means and if you don't, how to get, and even if you do, get assistance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Really, really helpful points. I mean, actually, there's a funny international trade story of my own, which is uh, I'm a big pro wrestling fan. And there's this little, I'm, I'm going to say little in quote unquote, <laughs> business running out of Chicago called Pro Wrestling Tees. And okay. they have a website and you can order, you know, wrestling t-shirts and pro wrestling t-shirts and get them shipped all over the world. So, you know, there's like this place in Chicago, they do custom t-shirts. It happens to be about pro wrestling and they ship them worldwide. So, you know, it's a great example of what can yeah. be done and, and it can be something as simple as that. So it's all about you know, encouraging entrepreneurs and then small businesses to think, hey, do you have an exportable product? Is that, you know, are you missing out on the, on a much bigger market for your business? So all yes. good. And if you get contacted, you know, if you have any kind of presence on social media or the internet, you're probably going to get contacted. I can't tell you all the times, mm. for instance, when I was working in Oklahoma, there's a lot of small home, home uh, based companies that may uh, do things like kind of country style dolls or quilts or whatever. Mm. And if you talk to people, they say, oh no, I'm not exporting. And when you really talk to them, they'll say, oh yeah, on my Facebook page, somebody in Canada uh, ordered a couple of my products a few times or someone in Australia, et cetera. And you say, you tell them that's exporting actually, you've already been an exporter and they didn't realize it. Yeah. And uh, I had one client who did professional drawing and she put her work you know, up online and some of those work you know, those shared work sites or whatever. And then people uh, in other countries sometimes bought some of her designs and drawings. Mm. You, you've been an exporter as well. So, so just keeping up with that and, and really grasping that changing definition of what is international trade and how to engage in it and, and then taking, taking advantage of those opportunities which, which are out there really is an extension of your domestic market in some ways. Yeah. Great. Well, Tony, thank you so much. That was really, really fascinating insights. I think we both shared a common position here that there is a much bigger world out there for entrepreneurs and SMEs, and it, it looks dangerous, but with the right kind of assistance and help, which is readily available, it's something that they should consider as opportunities. So thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. And again, thanks for the fantastic insights. Oh, thank you, Matt, for the invitation. And Really, I think this is just kind of the start of a conversation and just sharing some of my both experiences on the ground. I, I constantly research these issues and, and also work in the field and hear from my colleagues, both in the U.S. and around the world. So really, I think there's similar kind of, definitely want to emphasize the opportunities, not mm -hmm. just the challenges. Great. No, thank you so much. Thanks, Tony. Thanks.